a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Is that Jesus can return at any time. He's not waiting for a Japanese nuclear power plant to melt down. No. He, he, the thing that's holding him back is his patience and love for lost humanity and nothing else. Uh, there, 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 there are no events that need to occur before Jesus comes back. And so seeing all the things that happen around us and saying, hey, hey, that means Jesus is coming. The answer is no, no. That's wrong. That's the wrong way of looking at it. Jesus can come at any moment. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. And Luther says the only way that uh, the pronoun me and God could be in the same sentence is by this verb, have mercy. I've, got, I've given myself the new nickname. I've thrown aside all the other accolades that you toss at me so freely, Evan. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, they, uh, they, they feel like wine. Bull rider. Yeah, and uh, what else am I? I can't remember. I can't remember and them I'm all either. Up. They're just too numerous. <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. Thank you. Glad to be here with you. So on the internet, live streaming, and also podcasting, etc. This is a pretty popular place to be. <laughs> That's like yeah, how that's the right. the nerdy kids convince themselves that they're popular. Yeah, we're like totally popular, man. Because <laughs> we're live streaming. Yeah, I I got this webcam, and I'm not afraid to use it. <laughs> we're, we're we're seeking out new ways to scare away audiences. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, That's right. Today's... demonstrating that we, in fact, do have faces for radio. So. <laughs> That's right. We weren't lying when we said that. Uh, today's lineup of Table Talk Radio includes a review of the video We the Church by the Lutheran Hour Ministries. Also, some Tim Commence in the News, an article. Hey, get this headline. It says, Pope urges Lutherans to set aside doctrine to work together. We'll see how that goes. Hmm. And then finally, an article. I, th- I would like the headline to read, uh, Lutherans urge Pope to set aside false doctrine so that we can start <laughs> working together. We'll suggest that amendment. I, I, I uh, move, we amend the headline. Uh, finally, we'll end up talking about this uh, blog post, I guess, called A Foundation and Structure for Faith by the Reverend A. Brian. Hey, I just noticed something. I've never noticed What's this before. That? Both of the pastors at Hope Lutheran Church are named Brian, but both of the pastors have something in front of their name. C. Brian and A. Brian? Yeah. That's weird, huh? That is very weird. I don't know what to make of that either. One of you spelled it wrong, though. Yep. Uh, right. I've, mine is the Hebrew spelling. <laughs> That's all I know. Okay. Brian. Very nice. Well, let's, right. let's... I got a buzzword for you. Right. Do we do that first? Yep. The buzzwords? <clears throat> My buzzword is orthopraxy. Have we done that one? Yes, Ever? probably. Probably. Ortho means straight. Praxy means practice. And not like I'm going to practice shooting free throws, but practice in the sense of I'm going to do something. So like a doctor's orthopraxy practice. means, right. Uh, so when we, our practice would be things like, um, you know, how we pray, how we conduct the service, this sort of thing. And that's all about the, um, uh, that's our orthopraxy is what's happening there. So. Nice. Uh, we so so the way the old the old church would say it like this: the the rule of faith is the rule of prayer, 
uh, what we pray and what we do. The, these two things are related to each other, what we pray and what we do, and that is what's captured with the idea of orthopraxy. Okay. Um, my buzzword for you, notice I didn't say a theological buzzword. Although it is theological, it's not only theological. My buzzword for you is the word distinction. And according to the dictionary, the, uh, the word distinction means a difference or contrast between two similar things or people. All right. So we'll see if we can apply that word somewhere in the show, the word distinction. You know, this is one of these theological things that um, it to, that to do theology right is to make a distinction without proper distinction without making a separation. So those two things want to be working together. It so, seems like there you go. That that's kind of a big deal. I mean, usually I, I've been noticing this. Um, in fact, I would echo um, uh, Tom Baker, who hosts uh, Law Gospel on on uh, KFUO. He says this all the time, and yeah. I agree with him. He says, uh, theology is the art of making distinctions. Because it seems like whenever someone is mm -hmm. confused mm -hmm. on some theological point, all they need is to set some distinctions, and now it's it's clear as, clear as day. Yeah, that's so, right. Anyway. Uh, so Melanchthon talks about that somewhere like in the Apology, and he says to, that a good theologian is like a good butcher. So a good mm -hmm. butcher cuts the meat at the joints, uh, so that you have a clean cut, and he says that our opponents are miserable butchers. They just <laughs> hack at the meat and have no idea what they're doing. So. Wonderful. Good stuff. All right, well, uh, let's start out by, let's see how much time I have here. Um, oh, yeah, we've got plenty of time. Five minutes. Boy, we really hit the ground running here. I'm not used to that. Uh, we're yeah. going to start out by uh, watching this video called We the Church by Lutheran Our Ministries. Here it is. The statisticians and sociologists tell us that uh, not only I, membership way, in Christian denominations, but also uh, ah, weekly attendance and engagement in other, other ways has declined over the last 40 years or so. A recent Pew study reported that nearly 23% of the American population claim no affiliation with any religion. Only 18% of the millennial generation... We, I want to pause this. 23%? Because I think uh, this is set... Yeah, well, okay, so I want to, I just, I'm just going to guess. So, um, I, I, in fact, I'd like to walk through the way to create an emergency and then just, just see if, if this video might perhaps take us down that way. Okay, <laughs> so remember one of the things that we talk about, how we want to avoid emergency situations and this sort of thing. Wait, wait, before so you let's do that, say that you wanted you do to, that, can you, can you yeah? uh, tell me the value of creating an emergency? Well, the value, the, the end game of creating an emergency is that you um, can destroy order. So say you want to destroy some sort of order in the church. The way that you go about doing that is you there's an emergency there. So here's the example. Let's say that you and I are sitting here and our vocation, our sub vocation is to record table talk radio. But all of a sudden, a plane crashes into my office. Now, all of a sudden, I'm no longer a table talk radio co-host, but I am now a paramedic and a uh, uh, also some sort of rescue from a plane crash assistant thing, mm -hmm. a doctor and everything else. Yep, makes sense. In other words, emergency destroys vocation. So if I want to come along and I want to be a leader and I want, to, I want people to be following me, then what I want to do is create an emergency. So the way that you normally do that in the church is the church is shrinking, and you pull out all the statistics. This is what the Pew 
research stuff is useful for. It just basically says, hey, church is shrinking. So you you trot out all the statistics and then you say, um, uh, look at how bad things are. Things are really miserable. Things are, you know, falling apart. And then you're going to come in with some sort of order destroying solution to the thing. But this is always the setup. So you set it up with the statistics, and then uh, the next move is to point out the emergency situation. Then the next move is to move away from order. So that's normally how things go. I would be interested to see if that's the way it looks to me when a video starts with the music. (laughs) (laughs) According to the Pew Research Center. It's like the apocalypse. Only three people went to church this last week. (laughs) It's like... It's like the spaceship from Independence Day is hovering over Washington, D.C. I know. So when it starts like that, that is just now it might not go that direction, but we'll have to see. All right. So you ready to continue then? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. People ages 18 through 29 attend church regularly. Every year, more than 4,000 churches close their doors, but only 1,000 new churches are started. It's true that the LCMS, like many denominations in the U.S., is changing. Our membership is aging, and we're going through a pause in growth. Um, There are many factors involved in the decline of the Western church, but one fact is clear. The church in the United States is in transition. Christians have allowed their understanding of the Christian faith to be perhaps too institutionalized and too professionalized so that the life of the church, the activity of the church, the vitality of the church rests more and more in the hands of uh, professional church workers. Okay, I want to pause right there. Um, I want to go back to um, the the previous speaker where he said that, uh, that the... Uh, church is in transition. Now, a transition, for those of you who don't know, is when something <laughs> goes from one thing to another. And I'd like to just ask the question, what transition is taking place in the church? Can you uh, can you think of anything? Yeah, I don't know. People go from being baptized, unbaptized, ah, to being baptized. Yeah, I'm sure that's what he means. Um, or he might mean that um, kind of what you suggested with this emer- creating an emergency thing is that we have to move away from an institution. And in fact, the very next speaker said that, that the, the people have understood the church to be institutionalized. Now, right, right. Th- this and is- the life of the church is in the. Hey, did you hear this? <laughs> hey, can you give me the background music so I can? No, I can't. <laughs> All right. Hi, this is going to be hard. I'll do both the background music and the voiceover at the same time. Oh, I see. You want me to do that with my mouth. I see. I thought you yeah, wanted to Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Just, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, just make that sound. The life of the church is in the hands of professional <laughs> church workers. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right. Well, um, when we get back from this break, we'll talk a little bit about how... Um, this uh, anti-institution thing is not just promoted by church workers, but also by those in Ferguson, Missouri. We'll be right back, and, and we'll be talking about the purpose of institution. You are listening to Table Talk Radio. We do want to hear from you. 1-800-385-SOLA is the phone number. 1-800-385-7652. Or send us an email. Questions at tabletalkradio.org.
Table Talk Radio. You're laughing too, right? The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're talking about emergencies. Now, this is the interesting thing that remember remember when um, uh, there was a big uh, uh, controversy in Ferguson, Missouri. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that was the Trayvon Martin case. Is that right? And so, um, um, Zimmerman was found not guilty in in uh, in his hearing. Um, oh no, that was that was down in Florida. It was the what was the Ferguson one? Um, anyway, uh, so in, in the, in these cases (laughs) where, uh, uh, where there's been, um, uh, protests because of, um, a sense that justice hasn't been served for various reasons, um, what happened is that people, uh, took the streets and you, what we found in, in Ferguson was, um, you know, cars being lit on fire and just like an entire dealership, just a line of cars and dealership cars were set on fire. And what we saw there is... Um, the uh, the taking away of institution. What happened was that the the crowd was outnumbered the police officers, um, so that police officers couldn't actually do their job, the institution that they have of maintaining order. So what we what we saw that night or the nights following in Ferguson, Missouri, is what society looks like where there is no institution of order. It was chaos it was people doing really whatever they wanted so what god does is he sets us up in order um uh, through institutions so the institution is not a bad word contrary to popular opinion institution is something that is godly and to say that something is an institution is to say that it is instituted by god so not a bad that's right and we and we have this idea, you know, I mean, this clear Lutheran idea that God has ordered the world in the three estates, the world, the family, and the I mean, the state, the family and the church. And th- those uh, those are so foundational just to, to the existence of life altogether. And to take those away is to strike at life. Now, the order of the family and the order of the state and the order of the church are instituted by God for different purposes. They they fulfill different roles. But uh, we're st- we started when, in this video to get a hint that the order of the church, well, uh, that the church was not an institution or shouldn't be understood institutionally, uh, and and especially now, and especially because there's an emergency, so the institution is going to get in the way. And and they hinted at that with the idea that the the life of the church is in the hands of the professional church workers. That was the that was the argument that was there. So we're gonna. I think we're gonna see how that's gonna unfold a little bit. True? Is that what's coming up next? Probably. Um, Probably. Let's. Uh, yeah. Let's let's find out. But the narrative that we need to bring forward in today's world is very important, and that narrative is: Jesus died on the cross for a day such as today. He died for a society such as today's society, and He's called each and every wait, one wait, of can us. Can we pause that there? To, uh, because that, because I don't think this is some. Um, Hmm. What uh Jesus I don't think we should rightly say that Jesus died for society. Do you, Interesting. You, you, I think I know just, what you mean, but go ahead. Yeah, because um because when we talk about the death of Jesus, um Jesus doesn't redeem society. Right. 
you know. Uh, there is a sense that, so, so, I don't know, maybe we should listen a little bit more, but Christ dies for sinners. Um, he, he redeems us according to our, in, as individuals, and even, um, you, you know, maybe as families, you know, the gospel comes to families in the New Testament. But the idea that Christ, the way that Christ interacts with society is going to be a little bit different. Now, through the law, order is brought into the world, and so we don't want to resist that idea. And yet to say that Christ Christ died for a society like this, I mean, it really doesn't mean anything because Christ died for all people. I mean, maybe if there was, if, if someone was there arguing that that our society is too far gone to be redeemed, then then the argument would make sense. No, no. In fact, there's no there's no people, no sinners that's beyond the Lord's work of redemption. Um, but it seems strange to me to argue that Christ died. That Christ died for society. Well, I, I mean, I, so I think this is I think the reason that this language of Christ dying for society is drawn to because the institutional church is the foil. So, so that what's the what's the opposite of the institutionalized church? Well, it's you know out in society. Get 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 the the gospel out into society. And and notice that um, if if we're just talking about the gospel, for whom has Christ died? No transition in the church needs to take place, right? So that that uh, the the church from a thousand years ago uh, preached that Christ died for all sinners. Uh, that isn't a message that has changed. So they're, they're putting up um, the evil is, the, oh, that we're, this is about professional church workers, but we're about preaching Christ to all. Well, the institutionalized church with professional church workers has always preached Christ dying for all. Yeah. Okay, so more... more no, no comment. <laughs> I agree. I, I, I mean, what else can you say? Once excellence has been said, what more is there to say? Yeah. Live out our calling in today's world. And to say that this is a done deal, that the church is in decline, is not something that I can accept. And I don't think you should accept it either. It's important to remember that God's people through history have had to deal with doubt and adversity. In the Old Testament, the Jews were enslaved in Egypt and they had to wonder, where is God? Has he rejected his own people? Has he forgotten his promises to us? And they had the same questions while they were in exile in Babylon. In the New Testament, the Christians were being persecuted and they were literally being thrown to the lions. Well, our own Lutheran ancestors, shortly after coming to America, they thought that they had made a big mistake and they wondered if they should go home. But as always, God is still in charge and there's more to the story. In each time where our church body slid and started to uh, disconnect and decline from our society, what we found is it was the actions of not just the professional church workers, but it was those professional church workers working together with the priesthood of all believers, every called person together to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we did that, Wait, that is when the church began to grow again. <laughs> You got I, I, by the way, you can't see this, Evan, because I got theological supervision over my shoulder now. Someone on Facebook called in the flammy. So oh. that he's now staring intimidatingly behind me. <laughs> Did you tell him that we're going to be talking about his blog post later? No, we're going to be talking about your blog post later on if, if we don't, if we uh, can get to it. Uh, I don't release really... <laughs> <Yes. laughs> 
Now, I just want to pick up some of the vocab in this video because we had the so we have this category of professional church worker, which I'll admit is not a biblical category, and I don't know what it means. <laughs> um, Listen, but I'm then, a professional. You would know. <laughs> but then the professional church worker is contrasted with the priesthood of all believers. Did you did you get that? Yeah. So the professional church wor- church workers working together with the priesthood of all believers. Now we have to at at some point we're going to have to say is this is this helpful vocabulary? Now the language of the priesthood of all believers is a biblical Lutheran category that we use, but it means all Christians. So that would include pastors and people. So so you see the professional church workers can't work with the priesthood of all believers, because they are the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers means those who are baptized. So to, so to make that distinction between a professional church worker and the priesthood of all believers is already a false category, a false distinction. See? Right. Yeah. And, and one of the things that he just said is that um, every time the LCMS has shown decline from society, which I don't know what that is, um, the, the, it came like Oh, this, yeah, that this, was strange grassroots effort from the priesthood of all believers as if um you know the lcms uh starts to decline where it goes, oh we're being too professional so let's start being grassroots and then we starts to grow and then uh, oh we're we're starting to decline again it must be because we're being too professional and then i mean as the <laughs> the, the the point is though that we uh, as a, a lutheran church body observe Lutheran confession of faith. I mean, it, it's not a matter. It's not as if we have our pulse on the stats of the of church membership to decide what our theology is. We just look yep. to our confession of belief. Right, right. That and that's why the whole thing has to be set up as an emergency situation. Remember, uh, the, of the decline. So you have the decline, and then you say, "Well, what's the decline?" Well, we look around and we see the life of the church is mostly in the hands of the professional church workers, which doesn't even mean anything. I mean, I think they mean pastors, um, but I'm not sure what, in fact, they mean. And then they say, but we, we've seen times of revival, and the mark of the revival is that uh, non-professional church workers, the priests of all believers, is more involved in the life of the church. Do you see? Mm-hmm. So there's all sorts of—now, I, by the way, used your buzzword distinction oh, about ten it. times. All right. I'll give you 500 points. Thank you. Nice. All right. Well, we're coming up on a break here pretty soon. Ooh. Um, I know this, this show is flying by, um, but we're going to continue this video from Lutheran Ministries uh, right after this break. Um, and again, we want to hear from you. So if uh, you're watching live on Facebook as we record, then uh, just kind of type in your comments right there. Pastor Wolfmiller, I'm sure we'll try to get to them all and respond to each one individually. With the tome. <laughs> or if you're listening on the radio or on podcast, you can give us a call to our voicemail system. That is 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. And we do get your emails also, questions at tabletalkradio.org, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Love to hear from you. More from this video. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We will be right back. into our pretty sneaky. This is the kind of stuff that gets us banned from <laughs> Just plug your ears. You, you, yeah, you too. 
Go listen. Maybe us talking over it will trick them. Yeah. Saved by grace alone, through faith alone, as told by Scripture alone. Stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. All right, off the YouTubers. Boy, this song has a really great bass line. You hear that? I I just imagine people listen to our bump music in their cars with their souped-up subwoofers, and then Pastor Wolfmiller's voice comes on. Can I turn up the bass on my? No, I can't. I I can I'm turn not you going up through here. the board. Here can you, go. you? Oh yeah. Give me. I'm, I'm yeah, not. Give, give us a, give well. us a sick bass line. Come on. Oh yeah. Listen to that. Okay, I'm putting that back. Okay, uh, we're listening to a video from Lutheran Our Ministries. We need to get to it because we have more show, and there's about. Um, two minutes left we, of this video. So if we stall long enough, we can not do the Flammies <laughs> article. The, the problem is, is just getting enough of this video without having to interrupt him. It's like, wait a minute, we have to say wait. something. All right, here All right. it is. Here we go. We need to create that in today's world. This biblical teaching has been called the priesthood of all believers. And what's meant by that is that in the New Testament, the idea of a priesthood is is used, well, really in two ways. First of all, Christ is our priest, our high priest. The other priests are those who belong to Christ. The New Testament doesn't talk about a distinction between clergy and laity. Uh, of course, some people have specific responsibilities and, and are called, but uh, that doesn't mean that they're the ministers and everyone else is, uh, is just there being served. God is still there. I assume you want to respond to that. <laughs> well, yeah, I do. I do. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks you for your assumption. I'm just taking some notes here. I mean, but he, by the way, used your buzzword distinction. I know. So that so, professor should so, get so he. Points. Let me let me just uh, review here. Uh oh, how do I get out of this? Oops, he has don't all- listen to that. Okay, <laughs> so um, this distinction means a difference or a contrast between similar things or people. Okay, so the New Testament uh, make a difference or contrast between um, pastors and lay people. Go. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm just going to pull out, I just pulled out the catechism. You remember the catechism? I remember the catechism. the catechism. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things that we confess is a true exposition of Scripture. Oh, yeah, it's kind of nice. And there's a thing in here I was just noticing the other day. It's amazing. Uh, and it says, what hearers owe their preachers and what preachers uh, owe their pastors. That uh, that's here sounds table like a distinction. Bishops, pastors. Uh, it does sound a little bit like a distinction. Now, what's tricky is they don't they, they he doesn't say there's no distinction between pastor and people. He says there's no distinction between cl- what was it? Clergy and laity, um, which is really tricky because traditionally in the Lutheran Church, what we I mean, we can talk about the clergy persons, but we talk about the office of pastor, and that's a little bit different. So are there people who are called to publicly preach and teach? Answer, yeah, there are. And there are there people who are not called to publicly preach and teach? Well, yeah, in fact, there are. 
Uh, so Paul says, how will they hear unless they are preached to? How will they preach to unless they are sent? So that there is a sending, a calling that happens in the church, and that's part of God's ordering of the world. And to say that that distinction doesn't exist is to miss, mm, is to miss that whole uh, part of the scriptures. I mean, the, the, that our Augsburg 14 that says people shouldn't preach or teach or administer the sacraments unless they've been rightly called, that that is an important part of the life of the church, of God's ordering of things. And to kind of casually say, um, hey, you know, the church is shrinking, so these things don't matter, uh, that's a bad move. Well, and then the other thing that he said that I thought was really really kind of weak was the uh, matter of priests. So he says that there's 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 two things that go on in the uh, idea of a, of a priesthood, a priesthood of all believers. That first, that Christ is our priest, and then that uh, all those who belong to him are priests. Um, okay, but really, I think the value of Peter bringing up the, the the priesthood is that the priest in the Old Testament had a particular job, and and I would say their job was twofold. First of all, they they were the ones who had access into the holy of holies on the day of atonement, and they would actually. Um, uh, I mean, not everybody would walk into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. Only the priest would. So he then um, saw what took place, the, the blood being spilt all over the mercy seat. And then he, so he, he has access before the Holy of Holies. And then he comes out of the Holy of Holies and makes this declaration upon all, uh, all people. That, that blood has covered over your sins. I saw it. I was there. Now, um, where I think Peter then applies the concept of the priest to all Christians is that all Christians have the knowledge of what has happened in Christ, that blood has been spilt for all sins of all people. Now we do as, as Christians proclaim that because we, we can proclaim that to, to the world. Um, and, and also as the priest had access, Christians have access to God in prayer. Um, right. This, this is why, we pray for all people. Um, let us pray for all people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. So we're pr- praying for the Muslims because the Muslims don't have access to God. They don't have Jesus. Mm. So, that, I mean, that that's the value of, of the priest of all believers. But what that doesn't then oppose is the idea of um, amongst those those believers, there being one called on their behalf to preach the gospel to them, to serve them the Lord's gifts. So it's, I mean, the, it, it sounds as if to say that we believe in an ordained ministry, a, 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 a holy office, that it is at the exclusion of Christians telling someone else the gospel. And that's never been the Lutheran position ever in right. Ever. 500 years. Ever. Right. That's right. So we're fighting against a straw man. So you're fighting it. You create an emergency, fight against a straw man, make some false distinctions. And then what's the conclusion? Now, what's what's the point of the whole thing? That's what I want to know. Where are we going with this? Oh, so you want to find out. Always been there. But we, the body of Christ, the church, ignore him more regularly, ignore the other parts of the body of of the church that are wait, wait, all go, around go us. Go back a couple of minutes. And, uh, we or, or a couple of seconds. Ignore him more regularly. Ignore who, who are we Everyone else is, uh, is just there being served. God is still there. He has always been there. But we, the body of Christ, the church, ignore him more regularly. Ignore the other Whoa. parts of the body of 
of the church that are all around oh, us. So I, I think what he's saying that by ignoring, so so as if we are, but ignoring the priesthood of all believers and what we're doing is we're ignoring Christ. Yeah, that's so Jesus is there, but we ignore, so, so we just think of the, so you have a body and the body has all sorts of different parts. It has the mouth, which would be the preacher, presumably, but then it has the whole body, but we ignore the body of Christ because we're so focused on the professional church worker. I think that is the, that's the argument that's happening. I agree. Wow. <laughs> we keep going. Yeah, I do. And, uh, we do that to our great detriment. Triumph music. Yay. Yeah, I guess that was about it. So that's wow. where it's going. <laughs> so nowhere. It just ends in pure rebuke. <laughs> That's right. Shame on you. Uh, <laughs> wow. All right. So, um, what's your what uh, what are your final thoughts on this? Well, so let's just take a take a step back and the whole and see if we get the whole point. The point of the video was that church is declining, and and we know why it's declining because too much of the life of the church is in the hands of the professional worker. We want to take the life of the church and put it in the hands of the laity. God is working through the church, but we are ignoring him when we say that only the church is uh, in the hands of the of the of the professional church worker is the language I guess we're supposed to be using here. And so repent, I guess now that's I, I think I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out if it if there might be a place where the argument is a legitimate argument. I mean, I'm I'm wondering, um, I mean, so, so it is interesting that we use the language of professional church worker, because that kind of strikes at the idea of, oh, this is just a, a cold institution. Um, and, and, and again, I don't know where that language comes from, but theologically, you simply have um, uh, Jesus uh, telling Peter, feed my sheep. Um, hmm. Or, or you, have, you have Paul uh, admonishing Timothy to, to read the scriptures, you know, that I mean, that 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 Paul isn't saying. Now, I'm not just talking about you. All people should read the scriptures. He's telling Timothy in the gathering of the assembly to read the scriptures. It's your job to serve them with the word of God. Right. He doesn't say now it your your professional duty as a professional church worker because you're professional at this. Um, but he does admonish a particular person to do the serving as God's people are gathered together. Right. There's a, it's an amazing thing. You know, we were looking this last Sunday at Ephesians six, which is the armor of God, you know, the spiritual warfare passage. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Kleinig was here teaching and he, he pointed out fantastically. I think he got this from Dr. Wingert who wrote the commentary on Ephesians that, that the context of the spiritual warfare passage is the table of duties in Ephesians. So it talks about first how life in the church, preachers and hearers, and then it talks about life in the family, husbands, wives, children, and then it goes right into spiritual warfare and gives you the picture of the soldiers who, who's there on guard duty. And the question is, where are you posted to do your duty? And the answer is, you're, you're posted in the church and in the family. That's where we stand and do the work that we've done. But this, this kind of, we got to break down that order of things is... 
it's really a deadly thing. So we'll, we'll be right back. You tuned in at the worst of all possible times. This is Table Talk Radio. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. We're back on Table Talk right. Radio. There was a, a wrestling match during the break that uh, you couldn't see. And um, uh, Pastor Flammy, uh, associate pastor there at Hope Lutheran Church, beat the Pope. So um, I am so disappointed. In this contest, uh, means that we're going to be looking at Pastor Flammy's article entitled A Foundation and Structure of Faith. And what's interesting about this article, uh, Pastor Wolfmiller, is that he compares books to buildings and there's an architecture i mean a certain certain buildings you walk in you just kind of are amazed at its complexity and other ones are really rather simple i'm uh i'm somehow showing this article over our faces so people can see it you got to go to uh, lutheranreformation.org uh it, it, here, he he makes a couple of great points in this i hate to admit <laughs> But one is he he compares the uh, the Book of Concord to the Summa Theologia, and uh, that's Thomas Aquinas's great structure piece on the um, uh, uh, of theology uh, that he that he published at the end of his life, the Summa, and it's I mean it's intense, and that, that this can be compared to a cathedral, but. But uh, Flammy goes and he says, now we want to compare that to the catechism. And he writes this. It's not massive. It's short. It's to the point. I know plenty of children that have committed its words to heart. Rather than resembling a towering cathedral, it it reminds you of a home. Hmm. It's where you wake up, eat, pray, go to bed. The expectation isn't that you'll spend a few hours of study there before exhaustion forces you to walk away. It's where you live. It's where you find protection, uh, contentment, and rest. That's actually pretty nice. Mm-hmm. So, to, so when someone walks into your home, they might say, "A yeah, nice home," but it's nothing that is like a tourist attraction. I mean, there are people aren't lining up to pay ten dollars to walk through your home in awe at its uh, architectural beauty. But for you, um, when you you know when it's it's time to crash, you want to go home. Or if there's a big storm coming, you go home. I mean, it's the place of of security and safety. So, how how does right. that then compare to what these? various theological books, something like the Summa Theologica or the small catechism would have for us? Um, well, I don't know, in fact. I mean, the, 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 the point is that, you know, a lot of times we, we want to do theology in its kind of grandiose majesty, but we ought to learn from Luther that that's not, in fact, the goal. The goal is to deliver the comfort. And this is the point of this article, is that is that the Flammy is going to contrast, in fact, the the theological agenda? Oh, did you know that's? A, did I tell you this? That when the Flammy was at the convention, people came up to him and said, "Oh, you're the Flammy," <laughs> which was his how man. obnoxious. <laughs> I know. Now he's going to so he's going to make this point. He's going to contrast. I'm putting it on the screen here, especially the ordering of the Summa versus the ordering of the Catechism. And he quotes Thomas Aquinas. 
uh, about the order, how he puts things in order, and then he quotes Luther. So here's the Aquinas quote. My whole endeavor in this present work is taken up with these three virtues. I shall treat first of faith, then hope, and lastly of charity. It's the apostle's arrangement which, for that matter, right reason imposes. Love cannot be rightly ordered unless the proper goal of our hope is established, nor can there be any hope if knowledge of the truth is lacking. Therefore, where am I? Therefore, the first thing necessary is faith by which you can uh, you may come to a knowledge of truth secondly hope is necessary that your intention may be fixed on the right end thirdly love is necessary that your affections affections may be perfectly put in order now this is a thing so you you go faith hope and love that's the order that aquinas is working in and and to be honest i mean when i when i first read that i'm like yeah that makes sense i mean this is kind of like uh justification before sanctification kind of a thing but but yeah. but Walter or sorry Luther does it differently yeah so Luther here's Luther's his explanation and to put these next to each other is just genius Luther says thus the commandments teach man to recognize his sickness enabling him to perceive what he must do or refrain from doing consent or to to uh, consent to or refuse so he will recognize himself to be a sinful and wicked person the creed will teach and show him where to find the medicine grace which will help him to become devout and keep the commandments the creed points him to god and his mercy given and made plain to him in christ finally the lord's prayer teaches all this namely through the fulfillment of god's commandments everything will be given him and these three are the essentials of the entire bible so um so uh so uh, uh aquinas says uh creed Lord's Prayer, Ten Commandments. And mm. Flamey says, that's truth ends action. But Luther comes along and he says, Ten Commandments, Creed, Lord's Prayer, and that's law, gospel, faith. And so the structure of the of the kind of medieval theology versus the structure of the small catechism is contrasted, and that's why the catechism is so, in fact, fantastic. I love this part in Flamy's article. He says, or sorry, the Flamy's article. The Flamy. Dear Christian, when you open Luther's catechisms, you're coming home. Yeah. You are presented the scriptures that admonish and comfort, that humble and exalt, that kill and give life. This isn't theology for the academic elite versed in philosophy and metaphysics. It's theology for sinners. It's theology for fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, masters, workers, and children. Until the day we die. We need to remember our sorrow, sinful state. So God's great love purchased in one through the death of Jesus. The joy of lifting our petitions to our Father as we fully trust in his mercy. We're all but children in the Father's house. That's a wonderful, wonderful uh, paragraph there. Yeah. It is. And then he ends with this Luther quote. Uh, I'm a doctor and a preacher. This is this uh, This quote, I can read it a million times and... I mean, still, it's amazing to me. I'm a doctor and preacher, and just as learned and experienced as all of them who are so high and mighty, nevertheless, each morning, whenever else I have time, I do as a child who's being taught the catechism. I read and recite word for word the Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, the Creed, the Psalms, etc. I must read and study the catechism daily, but I cannot master it as I wish, but remain a child and pupil of the catechism, and also I do so gladly. That's just a now fantastic. there there was a, a comment on on the site and uh, I want to throw the concern at you and see how you answer and then uh, I'll I'll look at how the Flammy answer and I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. Yeah. Um, but the the commenter said, um, but why not simply read the scriptures themselves? Doesn't De- Deuteronomy four tell us not to add to the word of God? Isn't His word sufficient? So how do you respond? Well, 
Well, so this is a common misunderstanding, and I think it's really important. When Luther says catechism, what he means most essentially is the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. Now, granted, the Creed, you can't open up to, like, John chapter 7 and find the Creed there, but the Creed being a summary of the Scriptures, what God has done, and so forth. And I don't think anybody would say that the Creed contains any sort of false doctrine or false things that aren't also in the Scripture. So Luther doesn't, when he says catechism, he doesn't mean his explanation or the extended explanation, you know, that we held up here this will get us kicked off YouTube for copyright violation. Holding up the <laughs> That's like right. This. Get that off. Blam. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this is not, we think of catechism and we think of this big thing, but Luther just meant those essential things. Um, the Ten Commandments, Creed, and the Lord's Prayer, which are, which are a serve as a summary of the scripture. And uh, 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 so the, the, our Book of Concord calls the Catechism the layman's Bible. It's basically like the cliff notes. You open up the scriptures, and there's a lot there. So where do you start? What's the essential thing to uh, to do? And and the and the scripture itself highlights these things: the Creed of the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer. That's great. And and and, and uh, the Flammy also adds this. He says the scriptures are meant to be preached and taught, just as we learn from from the example and command of the apostles. The catechism exists for that purpose, to deliver the Bible's teaching in a short and succinct way. When you tell your friends and family about Jesus and point them to the scriptures, you're doing the same thing as the catechism. Look at how Fl- I just went down to that and see how Flammy's picture. Look at this. Can I show this? He's on like the a video? warrior. How he's got his picture from uh, from when he was uh, in the Marines. There. Yeah. How do you? How do I? Hey, zoom in if on I that? had a picture like that, I would use that also. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at that thing. How do I? I'm just trying to figure out how to zoom in on this picture. Is he? Is he the associate pastor of Biblical Church and also the bouncer? Like if. Uh, if any if any Muslims start rolling into Hope Lutheran, it's his job to jump on him or something like that. He is. I asked him the other day what would happen if I ran into his office and yelled Allah Akbar. <laughs> and he says, he says, why don't you try? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh. All right, that's a, look. What else are we gonna do now? I don't know. Well, you want to end early? With... <laughs> that's. That's not a bad idea. All right. What about this Pope thing? How much time do we have? We have one minute. Oh, forget it. Now, so let's talk about the catechism some more. So, um, uh, yeah, at first, and, and as the Flammy and I were talking about this, this stru- the structure of the catechism, what would be, you know, helpful to talk about? I had a bunch of different ideas. His were, my ideas were bad. His ideas were great to compare it here, that the shape of the theology matters. And where we learned that, I think, most clearly is in the small called articles, and that's where um, where Luther says, okay, here, if we want to do polemical theology, we do it this way. Uh, gospel, law. Basically, Christ died. Now, um, anything that contradicts that is wrong. But then he says, if we had friendly papists, we'd do it differently. Law, 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 then gospel. So there's a different order of theology depending on if you're, what, if you're doing polemical theology versus... Uh, uh, versus if you're doing, if you're preaching, you know. So the order of the theology, it, while it doesn't matter most of all, it does matter. Uh, and it's important for us to meditate on that in the small catechism. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. I can't believe we're done. Over already. That I didn't even think of a terrible point. Terrible points joke. Where Worst the points ever. are like.
Your points. Flammy's Thanks for listening to this of edition of Table Talk Radio. Goggles. Table Talk Radio <laughs> is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening that? to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, uh, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences whatever. with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep pain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter. Where does that smell your backseat? For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Seems to make sense. It's weird. 